Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. My name is Blair Sinta, and this is Recording Drums with Blair Sinta. This week, my guest is Matt Musty, who's playing in the band Train, also has toured with Grace Potter. Uh, he's a really good friend of mine. Um, this conversation is, is actually about a year old when the pandemic was new, and Matt was uh, recording in his apartment. And I think this is... this. This version of this podcast could be super relevant to people who are recording in small spaces. Um, and maybe still some of us are having to do that, uh, you know, with ongoing, you know, ups and downs of the pandemic. So, you know, Matt has a lot of insights on his experimenting in his apartment, having to play very quiet, um, going to a, his rehearsal space to record, um, where he's having challenges sonically uh, in a rehearsal space. Um, I think a lot of cool insights and, you know, during this whole time, Matt and I were talking a lot about recording strategies and things like that. And I've recorded Matt a lot here in my home studio. So I think this conversation, it's a little shorter, but it's packed full of super awesome insights. My new course called Improve Your Groove is now available on my website. These are revelations, practice techniques, and concepts of all my years of touring, playing with different people, playing in clubs, playing in studios. I hope it's very transformative to drummers who are looking to have a super solid feel and just just want to you know, be the backbone of their band and have that thing where people turn around and just compliment compliment them on their feel. You know, that's what this course is all about. So, please check it out. It's available on my website. It's called Improve Your Groove. And if you like the podcast, please rate it on your podcast player. If you're on YouTube, please give it a thumbs up. And please share it uh, on social media, things like that. Help grow the podcast. As Any drummer that you know that's recording, uh, engineers that are recording, producers, you name it. Uh, just, you know, trying to get the word out there. This, this is out there now. All right. Without further ado, here is Matt Musty. So you just started. So tell me about like when did you first start to record yourself like at all? Did you ever? You're in you're in your apartment now. We're in COVID. You're being forced to record in your apartment here or in your work studio. Um, like did you ever record yourself when you went to Berkeley or any time before this? Like, yeah, know? I mean, just basic like uh, previous to this, Zoom meant those little personal handheld recorders that you throw up in a rehearsal room and just for uh, tracking the practice. Um, and then of course the high school, the high school punk band would be either four or eight track. Right. That's the first thing of like this click, this click track is way off. <laughs> so you, you grit your teeth and figure out how to record very painstakingly, but never, never as comprehensive as the last four months for sure. Okay, so were you in charge of any any of that recording stuff, like in high school, or was there like another? I wasn't the guy with the recording stuff. I was the guy with the basement that everyone jammed in. Right. So as it's usually the drummer. As was I, right? Yeah, yeah. But it was it was enlightening in a way, you know, to to be that first experience of like, wow, this isn't as glamorous as I thought it was going to be, and boy, I play a lot of stuff that I didn't know was there. Listening to yourself on recording yeah right yeah were you so what obviously you were kind of forced into doing some of this stuff but were you interested in 
you know, because we've recorded together a handful of times over here at my studio. Yeah. Stuff, but where was it? Where as you, was your? Were, did you have a plan to be like, all right, I'm going to do this someday on my own, or like I'm happy going other places, or what? You know? I do have a plan of doing that eventually, and and until until the last four months, and until getting on the phone with you every other day, <laughs> go, uh, just for basic information and advanced information, everything in between. Um, it seemed uh, until this pandemic, until gritting my teeth and going into it a little bit more, it seemed extra impossible. And now it just seems a little bit less daunting, a little, I've got a little more information and I've got, you know, I can trust my ears to a point on some stuff. I, I've, I've got a, a much better grasp on the whole thing. Uh, and then the nitty gritty will come after. And of course, based on what my individual tastes are and that of an artist or a producer. Right. Awesome. But I feel I have a, a better vocabulary now. Yeah. So even in four months, you feel like you're maybe light years ahead of understanding some of this stuff than you were. Most definitely. Because I mean, you know, in the old world, you show up to a studio you uh you bring a couple pieces of gear and you sit down and play and then you leave and then the record comes out later and now it's like basically basically the scene is unless they're looking for multi-tracks dry and it's getting really done generally i'm sending a stereo stem of pretty pretty well mixed drums or at least a jumping off point so they can finesse just a, a single stem later on and ask for separation if they need it yep wow that's interesting so you're standing mainly a stereo stem, huh? With what you're doing? Usually, I mean, for the, for most stuff that's like you know either either a, a a COVID at home video or whatever, it's been it's been a lot of that. And if it's and if it's for a record on a recording, I'm sending multi track dry with a, a rough mix of mine to say here's where maybe it should be a reference point to jump off of. Okay, so let's talk about like what you're using and your your space right there. Um, yeah your mics your daw and your little space and how you're like been playing with the space like all this stuff yeah so so we're in a little 800 square foot apartment basically loft in uh in east hollywood los Feliz area and i you know this place has become turned from a home into this like construction zone because ali's busy working on stuff and i'm busy working on stuff um but for most of this lockdown, my drums have been set up around here where I'm sitting and, and a little, maybe 10 feet that way, varying on what the sound we're going for is, what the, what the space is allowing us to do. But we do have some vaulted ceilings and it's a cool sounding bright apartment space that we live in. So that's um, because like in, in a lot of studios, they'll set the drums up in different rooms uh, sorry, they'll set the drums up in different areas of the room according to what sound they want. There's often this, yeah. but it's often becomes very standard, like at Henson or Sunset Sound, like Sunset Sound Room 1, it's like, okay, the drums are, go here. Right. Basically the spot. But the reality, you could send them, set them up anywhere in a room to go for a certain sound, and that's what you're able to do in your apartment. Yeah. And because it's a home, we're not, I'm not treating anything. I'm lucky. I'm really fortunate that it sounds cool. Like I think this space sounds way vibier than my bigger rock space where I can play sticks and be 
you know, not in a residential situation where I can just go and, and get whatever sound in theory that I want, but it's a box, it's a square. It's not as, it's not as funky as this, this place. And this place leads to some more, a lot more vibey sounding stuff mm-hmm. just, just because of its shape and its materials. <laughs> I, I wish I could do that. Like, just like, I'm going to set up over here and like, and get yeah. a different sound. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, basically it started, I mean, the first, the first week, you know, I was on the phone with you going, Hey, uh, which end of the XLR goes into the microphone? (laughs) Uh, and then, and then it just went from there. And luckily I have you and, and a couple other people as just as mentors and, and people with the information that I need. So it, it, it eventually led to me putting up a bunch of mics, which, um, our mutual friend Adam Criscow lent lends me a, a handful of really choice microphones, a pair of Royer 121s and some nice, nicer uh, small condensers and different things. So I had mics all over this place and that I think maybe every, every person who's recording themselves goes through this, but you then thin the herd a little bit and find out what you like because you have too many options. And then eventually where I landed was, a five or six mic setup, depending on where, where I'm at. And I wanted fewer mics. I wanted just to do, you know, in theory, to be able to do one mic if I wanted to and figure that out. Right. And so, but you dove in right away with like eight mics more or less. Eight mics. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, too, too many options really for the space because, you know, it's just, it is limited in a way. And, 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 you know, we were on the phone with, we were on the phone with uh, what, you know, if you had a mono overhead and two stereo rooms or a mono room and stereo overheads or mono on both ends or what, and you were just like, check out this video, check this out. I don't have time for you today. Uh, I'll get on the phone with you tomorrow. <laughs> no, you were very gracious in your time. And I, I thank you for that. Cause I've, I've learned a lot. <laughs> Um, so did you feel like jumping in with eight mics right away? Mate, do you think it would have been better to go like, okay, I'm just going to do four or do you really felt like knowing you are a few months in and and you, your knowledge is greater. Do you think it would have been better just to stick with the four, like, like at the beginning and then, and then go from there? Maybe, but I think, I, I think, you know, Yes, I think in theory it would have been great to be like, okay, let me let me master one mic, and then let me, let me master two mics, and let me extend that to three, and grow it slowly like that. Because of where we're at, and because I didn't stop working, you know, out of necessity, I had to have pretty convincing sounding stuff right off the bat. Um, so I went right to like, okay, well, more is more. Let's put all eight channels up and see where I'm at. And eventually, I got more confident and. And I'm feeling good in a place now where I can get, you know, but depending on the context, depending on the song and within the limitations of playing brushes, playing mallets softly inside, mm-hmm. I feel like I can get what I need. And if not, I'll go to my other spot and, and set up a, a more rocking setup. But here I'm feeling much more confident and in other instruments too, like I'm getting really good acoustic guitar sounds out of this space. I'm getting some other stuff that that's, really quite good. I sampled my locks on the door uh, and 
sent those to me. <laughs> and I sent those to you because they're nice to like pair with some backbeats. And, and you know, I'm getting more creative because we need a distraction right now. And this is a good one to get into. So what you're doing Ableton like exclusively, right? I'm doing Ableton as my DAW because that's what I had. Yeah. And uh, it has its headaches, but it, it does have its advantages too. And, you know, it's, it's, I think even with the workarounds, it probably does everything, everything that I needed to do for yeah. sure. But I, I might be in the minority in that I'm not using it as a playback rig or a DJ rig. Right. I'm just using it as pro tools. <laughs> that's going to come soon though. The DJ thing is going to come soon. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's next. <laughs> that's just out of frame over here. My other rig. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and so what have you kind of like solidified? I'm sure it's, it changes a little bit, but what's your, what's your mic setup right now? And what mic? Right, right now it's really, it's really funny. It's, um, it's like a sure meat and potatoes, like kick drum mic. It says 57 on snare top because I really, I have done some snare bottom stuff in here, but it's so bright in here that I really haven't needed it, or it hasn't been something that I can't get out of an overhead situation or a room situation because everything's just bright wood. Right. Uh, so yeah, snare, uh, kick, snare, close mics. And then the, the other three mics rotate. So I've got, I've got a KSM 44, which is a, a condenser mic. And then I've got this Rode NT1, which is a cheap little condenser mic, but I end up, it ends up sounding great as like a crotch mic an overhead, a room on guitars, other instruments. Yep. So those are my two non-matched condensers in this really weird rig. Yep. And for that, if I'm using them as a, as a quote unquote matched pair, I use the fab filter EQ, EQ match feature right. to kind of match them up a little bit more and then I'll tweak to taste uh, and then spread them out. Right. And then the last mic is this AEA N22 ribbon mic. And that, you know, so those three mics, the two condensers sometimes are on top in a stereo formation or out in the room in a stereo formation, depending on what I'm looking for. And then this, this guy, this ribbon is, is in a mono, either mono overhead or mono room right. generally. Yeah. And for overdubs, I just use this ribbon mic for most, most everything. Right. I love yeah. the limitations, dude, and how you've like, like totally embrace that and just like dove into like, yeah, there was a, there was a period where we didn't even, we didn't even say hello on the phone anymore. We were just like, I was just, you'd go, yeah. And I'd go, well, snare, snare bottom, snare top, three mics. What do you do? Glenn Johns. Okay. Bye. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm, I'm developing tastes and, and uh, you know, and, and I think you just go from there. You use your ears um, and, and, you know, it can be 18 inches from the drum set. It can be 18 feet from the drum set, depending on what you're going for. And you're also only playing brushes when you're in your apartment. Only black brushes or mallets or if like the, probably the loudest thing I would do is a sticks hi-hat overdub. Um, been doing that. And that's a, I, I'm lucky to have a good roommate in Allison where I'm like, I'm sorry, it's going to be loud for like, 14 seconds right. and she's like no problem do your thing <laughs> and then do you feel like there's some things that you've been able to get like punky enough with that like if you needed to like has there been a song where you're like i don't want to go to my other spot can i just like 
you know, do what I need to do to, to get this like a little more rocking. Yeah, there's definitely been, there's definitely been moments of that where I just need to suck it up and go set up at the other space and try to finesse those sounds a little bit. It takes a bit more on the other end after tracking to get those more workable and more usable. Um, but, you know, usually I'm able to get it in here. And it's, it's, it's just so funny that you, you use your eyes uh, so much more than your ears. But, you know, a lot of the times if I'm playing softer on like a Mastro snare drum or something, something that sounds epic in nature, you can get it to, with the right finessing on the other end, you can get it to poke out nice and as if it's the biggest stadium crack you've ever heard. Right. Yeah. You, and you have, I know you have like six or eight snares in there and then do you have two drum kits? In, in the house, I have, I have like one drum set that kind of, you know, a, a kick drum and three toms and like the biggest tom sometimes ends up being like a small kick drum. Um, so there's some palette there, but really it's mostly snare drums and cymbals that rotate out. And yeah, I've got, I've got a, a good collection of, of things to choose from. Um, but you know, I, I oftentimes will just end up on like the fat, that fat leady mm-hmm. brass drum that I have that, that I've brought to your place that I bring everywhere. If there's one drum to bring to a session, that's the one. And it always gets, it always works. It's a good starting point. And then you go from there. But I've used, you know, I've used wide open acrylites and superphonics in here, just played lightly and tuned to the song and, or scooped out those, those ringy frequencies, but I want the, the attack and the openness, you know, so there's a lot. Uh, I still feel like I'm such a novice in this, but getting, getting a little bit better at my certain situation here. Right. So, you know, I know you've, you've worked with Eric Valentine a lot. And I'm sure Eric's been pretty instrumental in um, uh, your your kind of growth as a studio musician, which I've actually seen, you know, me recording you here and seeing you work with him and then coming back, you know, a few months later and going like, oh, I see, I see Eric's knowledge <laughs> grown. Uh, Matt, Matt's knowledge has <laughs> grown. Um, what do you think some of the most important things you've learned from him, maybe on an engineering level or maybe on a mus- musicianship level or things like yeah. that? What have you taken from him or some, maybe some other engineers that you work with and brought that yeah. you have really helped you in your current situation? Yeah. Um, well, he, he's also one of the other people that I immediately got on the phone with and was like, I got to figure this out real quick. What do you got? And he, he, um, he's always been very generous with that kind of, just like you, very generous with that time and knowledge. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was, he was instrumental when I first got to LA, of course, in, in, um, getting, getting me involved, getting me on some records and getting me in his studio working. And he's a perfect example of this, you know, you don't, don't hear with your eyes because if you look at some of his setups they're the most creative and unconventional and there's oftentimes there's not there's not a microphone within 10 feet of the kit but you go back and listen and it's right here the whole drum set is right here because of his his magic so he's an extreme uh engineer and he's brilliant but it it is unconventional and so 
whatever preconceived notions I came to LA with, especially from Nashville, more of a typical, you know, uh, bread and butter culture there in the studios, it was all thrown out the window. So that, that just that attitude of like, you know, don't, don't knock it. You know, this, this falling apart guitar over here sounds amazing mm -hmm. in the right song and in the right context. So don't, don't look, don't look for pristine gear. Uh, look for, look for something with a vibe and with, that's why I like this space better. It's mathematically, it doesn't check out at all, but as, as my, my actual studio space, but to me, it's better 90% of the time because it's got a thing to it. Right. Do you think um, that you obviously were observing those things whenever you're working with Eric, uh, presumably at Barefoot or, or up at his home studio? Mm -hmm. You think that started to have even more of an impact on you starting to work at home? Or was it really in those moments where you're like, oh, wow. That's yeah. I mean, most of the time as a player in, in, a, in a studio like his, you're if you're asked to do something and change your drum set, it's more of a headache and a nuisance, but you realize it's for the better good. As soon as this happened, my setups look insane. Like, a, you know, just, I, I, there's been a couple setups where I have the kick snare and then a cymbal that's specifically just way over here in another zip code because I need it to be there for the stereo image or for the balance of everything or because I just don't want, I want to clear the way for this overhead to come and hit the snare in a certain way. You know, there, there's, there's just so many of those variables that make sense with just moving a cymbal stand instead of trying to get it later, you know? What? So my, my setup, there's no one setup. In fact, it's usually just kick snare, maybe a hi-hat, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm understanding a lot more of those priorities and they've shifted a lot because I'm not just a drummer now. I'm, I'm having to record that dumb drummer. Right. So yeah, yeah. you're not afraid to make yourself physically uncomfortable. Yes. You want. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's like a pretty evolved step. Um, it took some doing cause I'm proud, you know, I'm a proud, just like all of us who walk in there, I got my, my, my cymbal bag and my snare drum. And I know this, I know what works here. I know, I know my stuff better than you. Mm -hmm. And so to, to strip yourself of that and just get over the ego part of it and be like, this sounds better. I don't care if it's a crummy old, you know, if it's a $80 Acrolyte, it just beats this other drum. That's $1,200 and we're going to go with the cheap one. And at the same time, reverse engineering yourself, like also knowing when you're setting that up, when you hear it, you're like, okay, uh, this symbol's too loud. Well, okay, I could play a choir or I should actually move it like three feet. Where I can yeah. It. Especially in this scenario, because I'm already playing at a very low dynamic generally. And I need, I need some more attack to come out. And so I'm going to put it over here. So the attacks there and the, the room, you're, you're getting a little more air moving and hopefully, it, you know, hopefully it achieves a thing. I'm loving like these conversations already. I was, you know, other ones I've done, I've told people like, wow, I learned something already. And like, this is something that like, I remember we've talked about, like, you're like, oh, I tracked with Eric yesterday and man, he just like, it was so uncomfortable. You literally said it was so uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> um, I whiffed on a cymbal like three times. Exactly, and it, and it sounded amazing. And yeah. 
quite small. So like the idea of moving a symbol farther away, yes, I can do it, but it's harder. But the fact that like the idea, just the concept of playing with the space in a physical sense, not necessarily moving a mic, but moving the drums. Yeah. Really interesting concept that, um, I mean, frankly, I don't use that that much. And it, it's making me think about that. And the fact that like, I'm sure a lot of people in their, in their small bedrooms or apartments or whatever, I mean, I think that's, a, that's kind of a brilliant piece of knowledge to have in the back of your brain. Like, ah, oh, man, the symbol's too loud and I, I can't do much about it. Oh, pff, move the symbol. Don't yeah the symbol yeah and and if you're in a in a healthy recording space your ego doesn't take that hit you're like you know i i know i can play balanced i know i can do do the normal thing but in this scenario with these parameters it's a new world in so many ways now so you got to move that move that symbol over mm. yeah yeah um yeah it's 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 different it's it's great though you know like it's it's a good it's a good time to pick up a hobby and recording yourself. You could, you could come up, you could come up much shorter on a hobby. You could get really good at FIFA instead, <laughs> but recording yourself is, a, is at least semi-productive most of the time. Yeah. My, my son is kicking my ass in RBI these days. <laughs> oh man. Um, uh, what are some other, like, I think one other thing I was thinking about, especially with Eric's influence on you is, is how quiet you he's forced you to play and how quiet I've seen you play. And I've seen that in here. Like, like I said, like I've seen you come in and play much quieter than, than when you first came in here. Right. Well, yeah. And it depends. I'm really forced to do that. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll a lot of times in my experience, at least a lot of times yeah, the, the mics will be far away from the drums or there'll be some, classic old beautiful rca ribbon mic that's right on the snare drum and he's like hey man uh you know please don't break this please don't pop this ribbon <laughs> and i need you to play super soft to achieve this and it's great you know it, that you get more used to that and you end up using realizing how the drums speak differently um when you and they, that you don't need them and then the, the classic example of bonham not playing nearly as loud as everyone thought um and and all of that of course but yeah it, it's different set of parameters but and it also depends on whether you've been on tour for you know previously at least if i've been on tour for a month i come home a little heavier handed and i need to unlearn a couple of things to get back into studio shape and vice versa yeah which is okay right yeah that's, that's part of the, the, the fluctuation of that too yeah i always feel like when i come home from studio i'm like oh I mean, I mean, from a, from a tour, I'm like, I feel like I know how to play drums like really well but Yeah. for two and a half hours a night yeah. <laughs> minutes at a time. It's... Yeah. I can play these 10 songs really great. All right. <laughs> Tell me, all right. So let's talk about your, your, your rehearsal space and the challenges of that spot. Oh, there are, there are many. Yes. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, one of the first things that comes to mind is that uh, the nicer, this is a general rule at that space, which is the nicer the mic, the more radio frequency it picks up. So I've brought, I've brought a bunch of aluminum foil over there to like cover it because it's in the outlets. So I cover the outlets. Yeah, yeah. Antenna, old school, 
rabbit ears. <laughs> yeah, man. So that's a that's a concern. A lot of times you just end up going with a couple close mics and and replicating some room later. Uh, um, some of the other stuff is is it shares walls. It's like a rehearsal kind of suite area and there's a lot of other bands. What I do is I get in there nice and early in the morning and, uh, and before anyone's in there, cause generally bands practice and rehearse late. And, uh, so if you're in there at seven, eight in the morning tracking, you're, you got a better fighting chance than if you're there at two in the morning <laughs> or even middle of the day. Right. Uh, yeah, the shape of it. I mean, the, the, it's not a terribly gigantic room. It's a square. So I set up diagonally to try and get the wind a little diffused. Um, I've borrowed some panels that I really do plan on putting up someday from you. Uh, so there's, it comes with its challenges. And I, a lot of times I wish I had the setup that you have, which is a private space, tuned, controlled, you know, the a more finessed and thought out situation right do you do you find that your the drum tones themselves are more challenging in that room besides the room obviously which is challenging do you feel like the drums sound differently than they do in your yeah there's a there's a learning curve with that for sure because the the drums end up sounding a little rubbery in there i don't know uh, especially the kick drums and the toms end up sounding kind of rubbery and like a deadened but not too well thought out space and you end up with a, a lot of that low mid mud that's just not fun and not and not really deliberate either you know you you in recording yourself you you get to the point where you're like okay what do i what is the bare minimum of what i need to to punctuate this song and keep time instead of okay i'm going to use my 14 china symbols and all my fancy stuff uh, at least I, my tendency is now, especially to play fewer notes, play fewer drums and try to just make the sounds, the one, two or three sounds that I need really good and really useful and deliberate in context. Right. So you're, you're, and you, it sounds like you're planning on doing a lot of manipulation post that you're trying to get it as good as you can for the situation, but then you're going to plan on EQing or adding verb or whatever you need to do to like. Yeah. Yeah. And this is all under the context of I'm going to be mixing these drums too. So what do I need here? Um, at least, at least to a point, a rough mix, a rough usable mix for someone to at least give context and go, okay, you want me to send the dry stems now? Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm giving myself a little, hopefully saving myself a couple headaches on the other end too. And then you're, you said you're going in there mainly to, when you have to play louder for the sound of the drums. Yeah. Like relatively how much louder are you playing? Like, you know what I mean? I, I'm not, I'm never bashing and going nuts because there's never really a use for that. It's at, at least where I end up living and getting hired. There's never like some, you know, there has rarely been, and not never, but there has rarely been cases where I need to just go nuts and play the brightest, craziest stuff that I have. It's usually, you know, uh, and, and you, you can probably attest to this too. You and I end up 
on more Americana, more, more poppy, but sub, you know, a little subdued pop records, uh, more than, you know, Metallica. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, so, so uh, yeah, I end up, I end up playing sticks, but just for, just for the material to be hitting the drums with, not for a, a volume thing. Right. Okay. And yeah. then have you done the thing where you, you found a setup at home that really works like placement, you know, the amount of mics and then replicated that in the, in the rehearsal space and gone like, wow, like, yeah, definitely. I mean the, uh, that, that little stupid roadie mic road NT one is, is just a great, especially with sticks. Um, it's a great crotch mic. Just put it right uh, kind of above the, the beater and kind of pointed basically at the snare drum a little bit, basically splitting the difference between the kick and snare. That's just a good tool, just a crunchy, nice, trashy little sound to, to blend in. Um, that works no matter where I am, uh, at least right now. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, that mic also floats around because if I don't need it, it's used as a one of the stereo condenser pairs. Um, really in my in my home setup those those live yeah i do tend to put those condensers out in the room put the ribbon kind of in an eric valentine i've been seeing him do uh grace potter's twilight hours and when he's playing drums on those he's he's putting a pair in this case of of i think 414s not really above above the set in a traditional manner but more if you're looking at the kid over here it's between the two the rack and the floor and it's pointed out for the shape for the image and it's a really cool with the ride symbol there or not ride symbols way over on the right ride symbol is basically out of out of reach okay wow yeah and so and i asked him about it he said he's been getting a lot out of that and that's where my kind of mono uh ribbon mic has been living just and and like the um the the null is facing me basically so it's getting both sides mm, interesting yeah it's 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 good i don't know i'm just i'm still trying and i'm i'm just using my ears especially per song per per song and per vibe you know you need to that's what you kept telling me man just those those big dopey things on the side of your head use them <laughs> what's the, so what's the happiest you've gotten like you've sent off to somebody what's what's an example man um uh one of these train songs that we've been doing for the uh for you know like at the beginning at least of quarantine we were doing some of these uh at home videos that all all the bands have been doing but uh we we did we did one of their newer songs called my ties and i had this i had this funky i had like my my leady deep fat snare as the main snare I had a hi hat, um, and then off to my right, no toms. Uh, then off to my right were this, like my pots and pans set up from the kitchen because it was so living room at that point that I was only using household items. We weren't leaving the house. I think we had like an ice bucket and a couple lids for some of our pans and stuff. Literally, and that was my like kind of toy percussion set. And then one of those sonar dr- jungle snares the, with the like a tambourine with a drum head on it. And that was my like verse kit. And then the chorus kit was the big fatter thing, but it ended up being super cool. And I was super happy with the sounds. So that was one of the really early ones you did. Pretty early. Yeah. But I had, I had kind of 
found a found a stride a little bit okay yeah and it worked it it worked i ended up sampling all those sounds <laughs> and that's that's like out in in youtube world in instagram world whatever yeah yeah okay yeah it's it's great all they 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 ended up doing a series like every we were doing those weekly for i think 7 or 8 weeks right and those are uh, all we can find all those yeah they're just at the train youtube channel okay train youtube yeah allison ended up uh editing most of those too so we were just like train central here for a minute we had the kit set up and she had her computer editing in real time and i was like hector do we have your video yet <laughs> you know so we're it was uh it was the command center here for a little bit connection central that's amazing yeah yeah uh, okay so thinking ahead like you know when life gets back to normal and you know a couple years down the line what do you is there like a studio that you envision have having like, especially going through this, you know, you have a very interesting perspective because a lot of people are like, I, you know, they, they're like, you know, I would love the Neve board and the, you know, 17 foot high ceilings and the blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, a realistic, like, is there something that you're like, well, I think this is what I would actually need and really love. I'm getting a clearer picture of that, but yeah, in general, I feel, I feel very unqualified to have nice stuff. So like, so, so I have a, a more realistically good time making something a little crummier sound better. Uh, but, but I do, I do know like when, when Adam was, Adam Criscow was letting me borrow those 121s, especially in this space, cause they're a darker microphone. They worked nice. The contrast was nice. So I, I'm just gathering more information. I think, you know, eventually there are some choice pieces but really ultimately i want to set up like yours where it's a converted space i'm comfortable in it everything's dialed in so i can more pull up things more quickly and be creative faster um and then and then tweak to taste right yeah but yeah no i don't i don't i don't think i'll ever need or want the responsibility of a neve board or something really nice like that that's cool yeah and for good and for more uh complex stuff i go over to your place you know that seems to work pretty great especially having you there's something to be said for having a a, a veteran studio guy as yourself running things on the other end because it's it's nice to get produced by a drummer like i i remember one time you literally said hey i know why you did that fill but here's why you shouldn't and it made total sense. And it, it was just great to have your set of ears on the other end. Right. And that's what I've seen. That's kind of what I mean, where like, I, like on the various intermittent things when we worked, I've seen that your evolution of, of like, those things don't come out anymore. You know what I mean? Like you're yeah. sitting at the right times, you know? Yeah. Like normal, you know, it's like, and it gets to the point where I, sometimes I listen to myself and I'm like, God, it's so boring. Man. You know, <laughs> we've talked about, we've talked about isolated, isolated drum tracks from many legendary drummers or studio guys. And you're like by themselves, this is so boring. But then you hear it in the song, you know, like, no, this is exactly what the doctor ordered. Right. Right. The, the yeah. story about Fred, Fred Altringham who plays with Sheryl Crow. Yeah. And yeah. Record way back in 2000 for my friend. And I remember hearing Fred's, tracks isolated and thinking like oh it's never gonna work and then hearing them with the full song and going like the light bulb going oh 
<laughs> you know, I, live and learn, dude. Like, like I got, yeah. I got some work to do. I got to do a double drum when I lived in Nashville. One of my like peak learning moments was doing a double drum gig for an album release uh, of our mutual friend, a brilliant guitarist named Johnny Duke. And it was me and Fred, two drum sets for that show. And just watching him do his thing and how he hits the drums and how, you know, it's not pretty. He's, he's like this giant dude on this small little kick drum, you know, and it's, it's the weirdest thing you've ever seen, but so is Mick Fleetwood. And like, so, so is Levon Helm and some of my favorite drummers look incredibly weird, but the sound that's coming out is, is he's got such an, a knowledge of what he's delivering to a microphone that it just makes total sense. And you, you the same thing, you know, it's, it's a learning, it's a constant learning and of evolution of your taste and your instincts. Right. right. Yeah, man. But basically what I'm saying is that we should get an apartment together. <laughs> we should do this all the time. Hey man, if there was a way to make a living like that, that would be, <laughs> be cool. apartment. Maybe that's a thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Know. Yeah. You gotta get the vibey apartment. Have one, one kit, two snares, and they're one set of symbols, and then it's just a collective of uh yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, are you thinning out your herd at all, knowing just like you know, you're, you're, we were talking the other day about maybe, you know, the three things you need instead of the, the 10. Um, well, the, the short answer is yes. And the thing I'm getting rid of first is my car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got two of those. Only need one. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm really, I mean, yes and no. Cause I definitely use, I feel like what I've ended up with in my, studio here I've, I've finally come to the not only the realization but the kind of like okay these other things that i i pay to store in other places the other kits i don't need them i just don't yeah. um i like that they're there and i like that the option is there but the reality is is like i i, I i'm past the point of needing those things yeah I mean, I can see, I can see on my own end, just in my future is probably fewer drums and more mics and more pre's and more compressors and fun things like that. My eBay tendencies are shifting a bit toward that world. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I mean, my, my, my drum, uh, collection days are long over, um, and you know there there are some things that look cool that I've I've held on for way too long. That don't That's the only reason I buy gear in the first place is it looks cool and if it if it as a bonus it sounds cool, great. I mean that 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 striped drum that's above you I'm still gonna you know I need something like that just because it's got stripes. Yeah, that's the quarter. I got that in Muscle Shoals on Craigslist. Yeah, I still have yeah. yet to buy a Duco kit. Uh, yeah, that's only for looks. <laughs> only for looks. That thing gets played once in a great while but it's never something i would bring to a studio as like one of three to five snares to be like oh this is definitely going to be used on one of these songs it's it's number 10 or 12 you know it makes a statement on instagram though because i noticed i was like wait oh what? yeah <laughs> well that's what yeah that's what it's for is a social media it's an instagram drum sure Love it. <laughs> um but yeah i mean 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of my stuff is maintenance. You know, make sure my batteries are all working. Um, Cables. I mean, cables. You know, putting money toward drum heads, which is really not exciting. But those things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a constant. It's a constant, but I think to narrow it down early maybe saves you a lot of time, money, and heartache. Right. Yeah. All right, dude. This was awesome. Thanks for, thanks for having me, man. I really, I cherish your friendship and your mentorship and I, I, it's, it's always great. Thanks, man. I mean, I think this is, you have a super cool thing happening. I've, uh, you know, the, the tracks that you've been sending me over the time and the questions I, I hear the, the evolution and, and it, it's, it's cool to see how, how hard you dove in to do all this and like, the, the mass gathering of knowledge yeah and um and just speaking to you like here we are four months into this like like the amount of knowledge that you have and the, and the confidence that you has grown you know yeah well thank you and a lot of that has to do with the information our our long phone calls so i i really do appreciate that's that information is invaluable and uh the sticks and wires stuff is really blew my mind and got me going on the right foot. So thank you. Thank you for the plug. Yes. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I, I'm serious. And I sent it to a couple dudes in need. So it's, it's, it's good info. Right on brother. Right on man. All right. Well, uh, we'll chat again soon. Yeah. Sounds good. Hopefully we'll do it. The real thing. Yep. Right on. And we might do that soon. Yeah. Masks up. And Masks up. <laughs> All right, man. All right, man. See ya.